Welcome everybody to The Outside Edge, a podcast about some crazy guys that used to tromp around the country competing and having fun. I'm your host, Dave Briscoe. Joined by my producer, Happy Fingers, Mikey Lee. Hello, everyone. Hey, Mike, what's happening? How are you doing? Doing good. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah. You having uh, a good day? Uh, You know, coronavirus. Yeah, I heard you got a little uh, drinky drinky last night. Oh, my God. You hurting? Yeah, dude. Well, that's what you get for dating you, my niece. Yeah. <laughs> you the have, you ever, have you ever uh, gotten a, a handle of vodka or a handle of whatever your favorite drink is and then drank uh, half of it in one night? Oof. Yeah. Not not as a practice. <laughs> yeah, I try not to either, but yeah. we did it two nights in a row. But, a, know, well, who's, it's, who's counting? It's like this coronavirus is like a slumber party for <laughs> yeah. like everybody's home. <laughs> right. The chain of lakes is packed with boats. I know. It's, it's crazy. Nobody's abiding to these six foot rule. Well, they need to. Yeah. According to everything that I'm reading, it's going crazy. It's unreal. And let me also introduce uh, sitting in with us again today is my son again, Chad Briscoe. Oh, hey. Oh, hold on, hold on, Chad. I didn't know you were coming on. Twice now. That's two episodes in a row now. I didn't know you were coming on. He is. I didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I thought you were just chilling, He's going to be our facts guy. Facts? Yeah, he'll be the facts guy in the back. When when we're completely missing it, he's going to be Googling and saying, you fucking idiots are wrong. Right. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Yeah. What's going on, Chad? Another day. Hey, how about uh, 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 Brady? Tom, Tom yeah, Brady. To Bucks, Can you apparently. believe that? Now, has he actually signed yet? Or he is hasn't he... actually signed, but right. it's it's going to happen. Right. They're it's saying that happen. he's he's agreed to come to Tampa Bay in principle or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they're working over the contract right now. Right. He's 43 years old, and he's yeah. leaving the Patriots. Yeah. Unbelievable. You guys see the meme that's going around with Jameis Winston Go, what? You're coming to Tampa Bay? I live here, too. Yeah. What brings you to town? Yeah. God, I hope I see him at Mons Venus. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady at Mons Venus? Yeah. He's got Mons Venus in his bedroom every night. <laughs> Are you kidding to me? That's true. Come on. <laughs> well, anyway. So, hey, we got a cool guest on today. So, uh, we told you last time that we're, we're changing up the show a little bit. And, you know, we're going to try to focus more on people that have climbed the ladder and made it and uh, who had... Uh, you know, people that inspired them in their life. And this was actually one of my students that uh, came in. And um, let me give you a couple of his accolades. So he's a Canadian kid. Uh, He was second place Wakestock 2006, which is a big deal. Wakestock's a huge tournament every year. Uh, He made finals uh, in the Canadian Nationals in 2009. Some of his sponsors have been Liquid Forest, uh, Ski Nautique. uh, So he climbed the ladder pretty strong. Um, he's also a huge part of opening the nation's first cable park in, uh, Ontario, uh, up in Canada. So he's very influential in the sport. Uh, let's bring him on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan CN, AKA oh, yeah. Gilligan. Oh, what's going on everybody. Hey Gillies. What's going on, buddy? Uh, coach. Uh, I love it. <laughs> he calls you coach still. He still calls me coach. Isn't that nice? Yeah. How you doing, yeah, man? What's going I'm, on? I'm doing doing pretty good. Just uh, enjoying the last little bit of our winter here. Uh, snow is just about gone here in Ottawa, so the countdown's pretty much on to summer. So what do you guys do all winter long? I mean, do, do you snowmobile? or do you, I know you play hockey. Are, do you, are you still playing hockey? Yeah, I'm playing hockey like three or four times a week. Oof. But uh, yeah, yeah, where we are in Ottawa, the weather can be a little bit... Uh, 
kind of wishy-washy. So one, a lot lately, we've been getting a lot of snow and then it'll get warm and mild the next few days and they'll kind of all melt. So there are great snowmobile trails around and with all the lakes and rivers, you can do that. But uh, definitely a lot of skiing and snowboarding. We have some great local hills and some big ones within a two to four hour distance. So right. do you good get, amount of options. Do you get lake effect snow there? Like I know in Buffalo mean? and stuff, they get they call it lake effect snow, where like in certain areas of Lake Superior or around Erie, um, they get the uh, I don't know how it works. You know how lake effect snow works, Mike? I mean, I have no idea. They, they get like they'll get dumped like within forty feet from the lake, and then or, sorry, forty miles from the lake, and then you know fifty miles they'll get nothing, and because it all builds up from the I guess it must be all the evaporation of the water from the lake and that's where you get the lake effect snow but they call that in the states maybe they don't call it that in canada yeah i don't know okay so yeah i'm not like where we are in ottawa we don't really have any massive bodies of water i mean there's the ottawa river where separates the ottawa and well the ontario and quebec border right that'd be the biggest biggest water body around and not that it's pretty small so i don't know if we get that kind of effect but we get some other crazy weather. And you guys first, are right uh, on. Isn't, or tornado. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Ottawa's like right on the border, right, of Ontario and um, uh, and uh, what's the next province over? Quebec. Quebec. Yeah, Quebec. Quebec. Yeah. So you yeah, speak exactly. both. You, you, wait, wait, it's not Quebec? Quebec. If you if you say it with a French accent. It's a Quebec. And you got to put the H in front of the A on the accent. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, Quebec there, Bainla. Yeah, so... Yeah, I've spoken French my whole life because Ottawa is a yeah, pretty bilingual city. So parents threw me into the bilingual school system right away and definitely can uh, thank them for it now. It's definitely helping out. I got in trouble when I was a school kid for speaking French all the time. Oh. You don't speak French. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Fuck shit, piss, cunt. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Pardon my French. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? Come on. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> Hey, where was uh, where was Chad on the fact checking about this lake snow effects? Yeah, come yeah. on, Chad, dropping the ball over there. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Let's get a Google, get a, get a Google definition. <laughs> Uh, I got a question for you. I know that uh, you know we're going to get into your uh, your uh, experience with Dave coaching and all that good stuff in a little bit. But how is it? Uh, how is it with all of the crisis that's going on up there right now in, in Ottawa and Quebec? Ooh, I don't know. I haven't really gone outside in the last four or five days, so I couldn't tell you. Really? So are they? Do they? Do they have you uh, locked in? You know, like, are you guys on lockdown up there or what? Yeah, it definitely took a little while to start um, kicking in, but a lot of the services, a lot of the non-essential services, have been shut down, and people are really being urged to stay in and and do the social social distancing, right? Just to really well, Tr- not Trudeau got it right. System. Didn't Trudeau's wife get the coronavirus or something? Yeah, because I think she was overseas in, in England or something, and she came back and would, got the test, and I think at that point she got it. So I don't know about Justin's state of being, but I don't really pay too much attention to the news and stuff. I try to keep myself out of there. But they are shutting down, like you said, the non-essential businesses already in your area? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything's being shut down, like a lot of city work, um, a lot of private stuff being shut down, and even portions of the government, non-essential services are are kind of, I have some friends that work and they're off for three weeks sort of thing. Wow. So, Trudeau's yeah, wife all, did 
test positive. All the essential stuff yeah. is, See, there is he still is. going. So. There we go. We got it. We have a hold on. Wait a minute. We have a fact check from Chad. Yes, yes, Chad. <laughs> Trudeau's wife does have the coronavirus. Oh, that's 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 awful. It's sad. Well, you it know, is. they all smoke oh. weed. They all smoke a lot of weed up there, so it's probably from yeah. passing the Deutsche to the left hand side. <laughs> right. That's that's a good way to get the coronavirus. It is. I didn't know that. Yeah, it does not adhere to the six foot rule <laughs> when you pass a joint and suck on it from somebody else's lips. So I know it's freezing ass cold up there, so you guys don't have problems with uh, uh, the the spring breakers, uh, you know, going out and hanging out on the beach. But are you are you guys experiencing any of the millennial craze where uh, you know they're they're just not paying attention and still partying it up or is it or is everybody in canada kind of minding their p's and q's i don't know to be honest with you i mean i don't know what the the bar or restaurant scenes are like i know a lot of restaurants have shut their doors to walk-in traffic mm-hmm. and are sort of trying to promote the takeout or delivery options um that's for nightclubs bars and more of those social scenes i really couldn't tell you what about mm-hmm. your hockey league you said you're playing three times a week is the men's league shut down or are you guys still going out there yeah, all the uh, all the city-run rinks are all shut down now, and all the uh, gyms and yoga studios, for example, those are all shut down now too. Wow. So, yeah, pretty much, pretty much everything. Like even skate shops, like really anything that's not essential to, I guess, the city moving along is everything's just everybody's taking the precautions, just shutting down and trying to avoid interaction as best as possible. Wow. Wow. Uh, do you have any idea how long they expect that to last up there? Is it 30 days, 60 days? A few different companies are throwing out different dates of when they're going to look to reopen, but I think the situation is just so fluid at this point that everybody's just kind of going on advice of Health Canada or some of our, our governing bodies and what they recommend. So, okay, so what does a guy like you – uh, that you know goes out and is so used to being either out on the water or playing hockey like somebody who's pretty active what the hell do you do whenever you're on lockdown you just sit at home and uh, I don't know play play video games what do you, what do you do yeah I'm having a hard time with that uh, yeah very active guy normally so um, trying to find the motivation just keep the body moving at home whether that's some workouts in the in the backyard or go outside for some walks or runs haven't done any of those yet, but slowly working my way there. Right. Man. Yeah. It's, it's it crazy. sucks, man. I know. Yeah, uh, I, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's definitely tough. Cause, cause yeah, I find the hard, hard time motivating sometimes when nobody's yelling at you. So I like going to the gyms and, and just doing the classes real quick. So, yeah. So let, that's a good place to segue. So, uh, Jordan, it's so hard for me to call you Jordan. Can I just say Gillies? <laughs> yeah, let's let's let be the first okay. question right out of the gate. I know that you gave him the uh, the nickname Gilligan, did you not? Yeah, yeah, I did. So, I did. Uh, tell us the story of that, Jordan, or either or you, Dave, either one who wants to take it. Well, he, yeah. So he used to he came down to my school. What year did you come down? Do you remember? Thank you. 2006. Six? You were, how old were you? You were young. You were in your teens still. He was very young because I was here whenever he was here. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I think I was six, I was 16. So it would have been maybe the spring of 20, 2017. So the funny, the funny story is he came down with another kid, Andy, who we nicknamed him Chetta. And that, there's a whole story there as well. But when they came down, I had, uh, I called it the House of Pain at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was the house across the street from where I lived. And we, we refurnished it and made bunk beds. And it was kind of where the wakeboarders hung out. 
So his parents were, uh, I think, what were you doing, three sets a day or four sets a day? I think it was only around two, two sets a day. Two sets a day. Yeah, I think we, we worked out a deal with his parents where they weren't paying the full price of a full day every day because they, uh-huh. were, they were here for a month, three months, I think, was the first time. Oh, wow. They came down for a three-month uh, stint, so I didn't want to overdo them by doing four sets a day. So we'd do two, but the parents were like, hey, we don't want him sitting around doing nothing uh, when he's not wakeboarding. Right. So I was like, all right, I got a, I got a couple projects going on. I had just bought my house on the Chain of Lakes and I was building the dock. Oh, right. So I was, you know, it, it, everybody looked at it as, oh, look at Briscoe getting free labor. But there were lessons there too. It wasn't sure. just cheap free labor. I mean, these guys were learning a skill. So that's my eyeballs of it. Gillies, tell your eyeballs of of what you think it was like yeah. tell us about how much your parents complained because dave was ripping them off well i guess the real story comes out i i heard the part about my parents not wanting me to sit on my ass all day while i wasn't wakeboarding but negotiating my labor for a reduction in their price now you feel ripped off you're like mom dad i didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, no, I think my, uh, the, the nickname came from the way I act, which I think is still probably true to this day, but, uh, <laughs> the poor yeah. kid, the poor kid, everything, things would just go wrong for yeah. him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his fault. They were just, things didn't go right for him a lot of the time. Sure. Amazing on the water. No problems. Oh yeah. But every once in a while, something would just go wrong and it would, he'd be standing there with blood on his hands. <laughs> so you gave him the nickname Gilligan because he just, the things that were wrong, if anything could go wrong, it would go wrong with him. Yeah. And, wow. and he had never seen Gilligan's Island at the time, so he didn't even know what Gilligan was. I haven't even seen Gilligan's Island. He, he thought it was a cool yeah. name. For, for, he thought it was a cool name until he watched the episode. He's like, you fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Is that accurate? Oh, probably for sure. <laughs> so, so tell us uh, a little bit about your experience in the three months that you were there, getting coached by Briscoe. Oh shit! Where do we start? <laughs> it uh, it was definitely interesting pulling up to Florida. My parents had driven me down the first time, uh, so we we drove down. We we arrived, met some stranger we had never really met before. Only talked to him on the phone. So I was only sixteen. I had no idea what to expect or what I was getting myself into, but. You know, I had a wakeboard bag packed and had had some other fun things. So I was like, well, can't be this bad, right? And uh, it was good. And here we are over 10 years later, not looking back. Uh, the first, <laughs> what the was, first three months was, was great, I guess. What was like I a did, typical day? Here. What was a typical day when you were at Dave Briscoe's wakeboarding school? A uh, typical day, like, well, the first... First year is we, we tr- didn't really do the two sets right away, so it was mostly we would we would wake up kind of early, uh, do the morning set, come in for lunch, and then we'd go back out and uh, do that second ride in the afternoon. Um, so then we'd finish out whatever time, and uh, sometimes Dave had other students, so it would be like sometimes it'd be a full day on the boat, sometimes uh, not so much, and depending on weather, it would weather the actual weather outside would gauge what time we go on the boat or how long and how we were feeling. So a little bit of flexibility. And then whenever we weren't wakeboarding, we were helping out sort of any way we could. Cause I think the first year is when we built that, uh, the backyard screened in gazebo, right? Oh, was it at the house? of Pete? 
Yeah, oh, I, no I, kidding. I that yeah. was the second year we actually started building the dock. Oh, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah. that as well. You had a bunch of students over there, and you laid the concrete, put the uh, gazebo around, and uh, and then put a ping pong table out there, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, that's right. We had the ping pong table yeah. out there. So, so it was yeah. almost yeah. like uh, being away at college. You would go, uh, go, you'd have class in the morning, go to lunch, have class in the afternoon, and then uh, and then what? Party all night? No, I can't say that. I was only 16 at the time. There were, right. uh, these yeah. guys were worn out. Like they were yeah. at the end of the day, they were toast. It was cuz typically you would have like three or four guys uh, on the boat, let's say. And so everybody gets their hour session, right? So that brings you to lunchtime, then you do another three or four hours, you know, sessions in the Yeah, afternoon. typically half hour. I mean, yeah. you, you don't last much more than a half hour on the water, but yeah. the biggest thing, so and that's what I want to get into this a little bit is uh, these guys were trying to get to the pro tour level. Um, they were they were good riders for their area, and they were trying to break onto the American Pro Tour. So sure. it's like I talked about last time. I was a stickler on making you go back to basics, and I didn't care who you were or what you thought you had or how much your parents were paying. You were going to go out and do all four 180s for me right off the bat. Right. And the, there was no exception for these guys. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I put them in positions that was harder than the Pro Tour would ever be. Uh, wind conditions. They had different runs for headwind and tailwind and crosswind, and they had to ride in rough water, yeah. which they hated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, would you say that that uh, that that going back to the basics thing is kind of one of the keys that uh, got you to your you know the success that you have today? Well, I can definitely say for one, it's true. I did a month of backside one eighties and backside landings for for yeah the first month. Uh, and yeah, definitely at the time it seemed pretty shitty and seemed trivial, but. I, looking back now and the way I teach it, I even employ these same kind of techniques. It was definitely beneficial to my wakeboarding and definitely helped my riding for sure, without a doubt. So what other things did you think that, like, I mean, I guess tell us, you know, you spent two, was it two summers there? Is that what you said? Uh, so the first time I went, it was, it was three months. And then uh, for the next, I think I came back for, probably four or five years no yeah, yeah and then did did two months at a time right yeah that's probably accurate yeah holy crap i didn't even realize you were down here for four or five years at a time i didn't realize that at all yeah 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 and then still try to come down and do my vacation time when i can so it's been it's been a good haul wow it, it and that was you know like a lot of these students became part of we became part of each other's family of course yeah you yeah, know? yeah and uh absolutely when i when i uh got married you know he was there at my wedding and come a long way and that's i'm so proud of the guys that have gone through that journey and looking at them now and so now talk about what you're doing now with your school and all that yeah so when i had started riding with you i we kind of we, we bought our first boat as a family in 2005 and uh we rode all summer and things had just started to get heated up after my first uh first spring with you so when we got home in ottawa we would kind of my parents kept a little trackings like of all the friends giving gas money and they called the account uh ride the wake uh so we started as a little account just to keep track of gas money when friends came out or when friends of friends came out uh kind of blossomed into a wakeboard school accidentally or or unexpectedly should i say so all of a sudden strangers started calling and uh, we started teaching wakeboard lessons to to complete strangers and to anybody else that wanted to learn while we were here in the summer training and 
and competing in the circuits around the province. So uh, being on the water, running the wakeboard school was a great way to help subsidize the cost of competing and just try to help stay on the water as much as possible. So uh, for the next several years, we were competing full-time and running the wakeboards full-time or the wakeboard school full-time to a point where eventually we made the decision to, to sort of ease off the competing and focus more on the wakeboard school. So that's been my journey for the last six or seven years probably is really focusing on the business and, and just trying to grow the wakeboard school. So one of the biggest biggest changes in the last few years is, uh, like you mentioned earlier in the intro, is we just opened the nation's capital, uh, capital's first cable park. So um, luckily here in Ontario, wakeboarding is, seems to be doing pretty well. There's a lot of great parks around. Uh, but we were fortunate enough to be able to open Ottawa's first cable park. So wow, that's we awesome. opened that. Yeah. Were you um, now? So when you were starting the school, it was just your dad's boat, right? Your dad had a boat, and that's what you guys were using to to run the school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then how did how did it turn into sponsors? And kind of tell us that journey of the transformation of going from dad's boat to people starting to eyeball you thinking there was an opportunity to get some exposure. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> call it dumb luck. Call it some, some good, uh, marketing while we're partying at different competitions. But we, uh, we met a whole different crowd of great people through all the different events that we attended. And I think my first sponsors we met were actually at Wakestock. My parents met them because they were, staying in the condo right next to ours and I was young at the time I think that first competition or it was the second year I was there because we stayed the weekend I think I was only 13 so at that point I was kind of clueless to a lot of stuff going on at these wait for competitions but my parents were right into it with them so I think who did you meet who, who, who was it uh, so it was my first local board shop sponsor so Chris Giles and the whole uh, shoreline surf shop team so they met them there at Wakestock and they're my first sponsor that stayed with me just about the longest. Now, what was the sponsorship at the time? Was it just product or were giving you any financial help with tournaments or what were they doing? Yeah, so it was, it was small local board shops. So they were doing the best they could to support anyhow. Um, so it mostly came with, uh, with product and stuff. No, no financial contributions, but, but they opened so many doors. They uh, introduced us to so many different reps and different people in the industry, which which led to, to different sponsors, which was, was amazing. So how this, the wakeboarding school today, how many students would you say you have on average? Ooh, that, that, yeah, that, that's a tough one. I mean, the cable, the cable model of the business is a little bit different than boat. You're able to push through a little bit more volume. Um, but it's, we, the great thing about the cable too, is it caters to so many different types of riders. So we have uh, a core group of riders that, you know, is, 10 to 20 riders that have season passes. And then we do kids camp throughout the day where we hang out with a group of kids for the, for the day. And then we get everything in between lessons. Uh, we get school buses of, of different groups. So probably throughout a season, we, we probably deal with a few hundred different people for sure. Wow. And that's all thanks to your, your experience with Dave Briscoe, everybody. <laughs> Something, huh? It is something. Dave, what have you done with yourself? Where's your cable park wakeboard school? Come on, man. I'm podcasting now. Yeah. <laughs> taking it to a whole different level. <laughs> yeah, we had some, oh man, we had some crazy stories. I, um, I remember when you first showed up at the House of Pain 
was it the first year that you came down that I was going through my divorce and I one of you guys yeah. had to carry me in the house or something? <laughs> Poor guys. <laughs> Cuz you were li- you were living in the bus uh, in Renee's driveway. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right? right. I remember those days. Living in the RV. Ooh, boy. <laughs> Shitter's full. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, those are some weird days going through all that stuff. But uh yeah, the guys they 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 helped get me through it. You know, I was busy with the coaching and trying to get these guys to the pro level. And boy, you guys climbed a lot. How many tricks did you learn the first year? You learned a bunch of stuff, I remember. Oh, yeah. It was it was a busy three months, that's for sure. Looking back now, it's hard to count. I'd have to really put a pen to paper and try to start jotting things down. Right. But a lot. A lot of that was <laughs> due to that base, though. You know, backing up and making them do all the basic stuff that they thought was trivial. And then all of a sudden, boom, things started happening. And that was the biggest thing is that people don't realize is, and I'm sure you've taken this into your coaching, Gillies, is uh, the trust in your coach. You've got to trust because they, they're trying some big tricks, and they they can take some massive dingers. Mm-hmm. And uh, dinger, oh, poor Gillies had one of the worst breaks uh, I've ever seen in my life. He actually snapped his femur. Oh God! Yeah, while he was while you were pulling him. Oh yeah, it was a, it was a rough day. It was so like I said, I made the guys do rough water riding because you never yeah. know what a pro tour stop you know you show up at the pro tour it could be glass calm but you don't ride for three more hours right and a storm blows in and all of a sudden you got white caps yeah and you got to ride yeah. you know so i always made my students be able to ride in anything well it was an unfortunate deal that uh and we found out after the fact of this but um he had an overdeveloped muscle on one side of his leg that could have been from a previous industry that made him you know injury you mean yeah right right so um this day it was oh, it was blown out. It was probably two foot waves on Lake Eloise. So we put in on Lake Summit, which is the only boat ramp for Lake Eloise. For the people that don't know what I'm talking about, is a 1,000 acre lake in Winter Haven, and we live on the chain of lakes there. And it's ideal riding. You can always find good water. If the wind's howling, you just drive to into the wind until you get to the shoreline that's protecting the the breeze. Yeah. So we did that that day, and we put on in Lake Summit, which is a small lake, and then we had to drive across Lake Eloise through the two foot rollers. And it's a thousand acre lake, so it's probably I don't know. What do you think of this? Two miles across that lake, something like something that, like that. Yeah. yeah. So um, we get across to the other side, and did you ride first, or did Andy ride first? I think Andy had ridden first. Yeah, and which he he always fought it. Remember, he he was like, "Ah, oh, my parents are paying you. I'm not going to ride in shitty water." And I was like, "Oh yeah, you are. Or I'm going to punch you in the face." <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna hurt either way either the punch in the face is gonna hurt or the crash yeah you, you decide and i was serious like yeah I, I was serious so gillies was always up for it he he did whatever i asked him to do he did it never right. a problem so he got out there and i think we were doing tournament runs that day weren't we you remember some sort of training because we had, we had just pulled in uh we just got into florida right I don't know, uh, like a few days prior. Yeah, you weren't but, there. What, this was probably your third year or fourth year coming down. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Maybe even the, the fourth or fifth even, but yeah. I mean, so, and he has point. He had one of the biggest heel side front flips. I mean, I always had a big heel side front flip, and it was getting to the point where he was going, you know, it was like, I got to go be better than the coach. Mm-hmm. And he's booting these front flips, like landing probably 30 feet out in the flats. Oh, wow. And 
the crash didn't even look bad. Like he kind of, he kind of over rotated, right? Didn't you over rotate a little bit? But you still hit the board first. Yeah, it was board first, over rotate a little bit, yeah. which is the weird part because it was my back leg that ended up snapping. Right, and it didn't even it didn't look bad at all. So it's usually if it's a bad crash, you'll hear me if you're on the water and you hear the boat gas up. You're like, oh, that must have been a bad one. Right yeah, here yeah. he comes. I didn't even rush back. Yeah, and I get back there and. Just like he's talking to us right now, he goes, oh, I think I broke my leg. Oh, my God. And I'm like, you didn't break your fucking leg. I mean, you don't even look like you're in pain. Yeah. And, oh, my God. So you go from there, Gillies, on this. Until the pain set in. <laughs> so so what yeah, happened from the- there? Once he pulled up the boat and you realized you had broken your leg, what happened next? Well, eventually the pain started to set in, and that was the start of the next worst four months of my life. Wow. So it, uh, how did you get out of the water? Did they have to pull you out, or what happened? Yeah, it was a like, slow, delicate process, like taking the one foot out of the boot, unscrewing the boot from the board on the broken foot, and then just somewhat trying to hobble onto the boat and get into a We had to go back across the rough water. Position. Oh. Oh, yeah. That was a treat. Oh, two two and, miles of white caps with a broken femur on the back of the boat. And, and, it, oh. and it was cold as fuck too. Like <laughs> you're wearing full wetsuits. The water was in the fifties. Oh, and it was like windy ass day. Yeah. And then you get back to the dock, obviously, and what? The ambulance comes and gets you directly out of the boat, or did you guys pull it Luckily, the we house? had cell phones, you know. I mean, it was cell phones weren't that old yet still. Right. And we, we had the 911, and the ambulance was there. When we pulled the boat up, the ambulance was already there. Oh, nice. At the dock. But still, they had, so what they should have done is um, they put, put you in traction right away because when you break your femur, if you think about how, how uh, strong your muscles are on your quad and your hamstring. Yeah. The bone overlaps itself because the muscles recoil, mm-hmm. and you have a. There's a big chance that you could hit a, an artery Oof. and bleed out. And we yeah. didn't know that till after yeah. the fact. But they never put you in traction, did they? They were. They, they should have put you in traction. Yeah. No, no, they did. They they did that in the boat. Oh, so now they got to separate the bone, drag it across. They got to pull it. Yeah, they got to pull it apart. Oh, apart. My, oh God. my God! And the poor bastard. I mean, you were, you were amazing through the whole thing. I mean, I don't know if anybody else could have survived the way you did. Tough bastard. He's a tough kid. Wow. Did you ever cry? I, I cried because I knew I wasn't gonna be wakeboarding that summer. But right, <laughs> the right. pain was was too heavy. It was just agonizing. I was just screaming, but. The boat ride back, it was it was tough to go through because I was just so cold, like almost going into shock there a little. Right. Wow. And then and, and then the traction brought it all back. That was that was some sort of pain right there. And then you, it took you four months to recover from that. And uh, when you got back on the board, were you nervous at first, or did you just jump out there and start doing front flips again? I haven't done a front flip since. That's for sure. Oh, you really? really? Is that it? Was that wow. the last one? <laughs> That was the last one so far. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough to but, go back. It's just a mental but, thing. But no, yeah, I, I got back on the board, and obviously it was a little bit of time getting back into the groove. But sort of tried to pick up where I left off, understanding that that was a little bit of a fluke. Yeah, but wow. yeah, that was uh, yeah. I haven't done a front flip yet. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe one of these days. So oh, crazy. Well, that's that's a pretty deep story. But do you have any crazy stories? Mike had a question, and I don't remember who this was, but there was a neighbor that lived uh, next to the House of Pain, 
No, uh, this no, but we determined before the uh, podcast this definitely is not the guy. Well, maybe he knows who it was. <laughs> Do you remember anybody describing <laughs> going down on a girl one night and saying that it tasted like Miracle Whip and battery acid? <laughs> no, I wish I did though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who said it. it maybe but it as was... soon as I saw your face on the video, I watched one of your videos kind of researching <laughs> who you were and I went, "Oh yeah, I remember this guy." Uh, but I was like, I don't think that was him anymore. Uh, I, I don't know who said it, but I know it was definitely it in your. It, it was definitely in your generation, and uh, uh, and it was one, somebody who was staying at the House of Pain at the same time you were. So I thought maybe you would remember. And we're, and it was we're not going to mention any names, but it was the neighbor. <laughs> yes. Why'd you even say that? You shouldn't even say that. What if she listened? Because the neighbor's listening and she's like, this motherfucker. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, not that neighbor. Right. Not that neighbor. It's, it wasn't you, neighbor. If you're listening, it was another it was the neighbor. Other neighbor. Yeah. Goodness gracious. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap that episode there. And Gillies, maybe we can get you back on for another episode. That'd be awesome if you have time. Uh, thank you for coming on. Anything you want to plug before we uh, before we wrap this one up? Plug your I school. Plug your school. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely wouldn't be here without any of my, my title sponsors, mom and dad, that's for sure. Uh, O'Brien's been a huge one lately. And, yeah, definitely looking forward to getting back on the summer. So anybody that's in the Ottawa area, check us out, Evolution <laughs> Wake Park. Evolution Wake Park. And is there a website or anything that they find you at? Oh, yeah, you bet. We got all the, the social medias, the Facebook, Instagram website. Okay. Perfect, perfect. So look there. And uh, on behalf of Mike Lee and Chad Briscoe, I want to thank you guys for listening. Remember to get on Patreon. And uh, remember, if you get on Patreon, you become a $50 sponsor a month. You're going to get 10 wakeboard lessons out of it from me. Uh, you can use them whenever you want, and it's going to trickle down from there. We're going to get all that up on Patreon so you can find it and read it as well. Uh, Chad, anything you want to plug? Um, no, I'm good today. Okay, we're good today. <laughs> waiting for sports to be back, waiting for this virus to be gone. Right yes. On. Right on. I would like to plug the virus up Satan's ass. That's what <laughs> I want to plug. There you, there you go. There you go. Take care, everybody. See you next time on The Outside Edge. See you later, guys.